Hello, All Beer Inside listeners. We here at All Beer Inside understand that not everyone has the time to watch a YouTube video, so we are presenting the audio-only portion here for your ear holes. This is the audio from episode 129 of the YouTube show, which was originally released on May 13th, 2022. You could subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, and most other listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask that you rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. Today we are in Canada just outside of Ottawa, Ontario. And joining us today is Chris from Evergreen Craft Ales. How's it going, man? Good, yourself. Thank you very much for taking time out of your clearly busy schedule to speak with us about your beer, your passion, the brewery itself, and everything that's involved in your life when it comes to craft beer. Absolutely. Awesome. You brought me out some tasty looking beers here to try today. Uh, what's, what's number one here? Uh, so that's one of our most popular beers, our Clothing of the Gods Northeastern IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nice mix of citrus mosaic on there. It gives you just tons of hop aroma and flavor from it. Okay. Personally, one of my favorites, although I tend to go toward lower alcohol beers a little bit, but it's, uh, this is the one that, you know, when it, it, it feeds, it, it fills the need for anybody who needs a good dose of hoppiness without a lot of bitterness to it. Beautiful nose. As you do on the show. Cheers. A toast. Ooh, that is delightful. It's, it's dancing on my palate. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Wow, that is a very tasty beer. Uh, so yeah, thank you once again. Uh, fantastic beer to start. And uh, what's the beer story? Where did Evergreen start to where it is now? Yeah. And, and so, your, what got you into craft beer, everything? So I, I, can, I can think of a couple of pivotal moments in my brewing history, so to speak. The, the first thing that got me into craft beer was actually a, a, going to a soccer tournament in Vermont for my son. And uh, not really understanding, this is going back probably about eight or nine years ago, I guess, and uh, taking a trip down to the Alchemist and their, their, their brew pub, in, not the pub in Waterbury, but their first production facility mm-hmm. in Waterbury, and standing in line there and seeing all these people lining up and not really understanding what they were all lining up for. And uh, I remember there was these, these, these uh, four guys who were standing in front of me and they had their trucks all packed with canoes and everything, <laughs> and they're, they're walking in there and they're, they're buying Hetty Topper. I'm like, oh, Hetty Topper, I've heard about this, that's why we're here. And so they're walking out with, you know, two two fours each. I was at 144 bucks US a piece. Yeah. I'm one I'm like, where, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going out in the back country for, for two weeks and we're going canoeing. So, okay, that's, so, I'll, I'll, so I walk in and I bought two four packs. I'm thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I'm pretty special buying, you know, a decent amount of beer. And uh, the first sip of that beer, because it was so fresh and it was such a new, a new style beer to me, it totally changed my perspective on what beer should be. So that, that's my kind of, foray into craft at that and then getting to um, where Evergreen started. So there I was involved with the startup of another brewery in Ottawa but wasn't didn't kind of fall through on that and then decided that what I wanted to do was to I wanted to open something really small and in retrospect it would have been the, the wrong thing to do because small doesn't translate well into into beer at least mm-hmm. not you know you need a certain level of scale um, and after trying a few different things, I said, you know what? Like I found a way to, to open a brewery in the garage. And the city of Ottawa has a, um, a home-based business bylaw that it, uh, as long as you can meet these 12 criteria, there's really nothing wrong with starting it like that. And so I, I applied for my licenses and I, and I got it all, it all went through. And then I started with the one barrel system in my garage for almost two and a half years. Um, and that was that was a good learning experience because you know you got I got exposure to be the I got the ability to interact with 
other brewers at the ownership levels as well. So I got access to the industry through that. Got a lot of chances to try a lot of things, make a lot of mistakes and try lots of different beers. But at the end of the day, it, it got me um, to it generated enough interest for people to want to actually invest in opening a larger facility. And then here we are, you know, we've been open here for in this location for almost two and a half years now, um, two over two years under COVID. So <laughs> we opened in September 2019. And I can still remember March 16th, uh, 2020, when, you know, we had a, a private group in here and, and the girl who was uh, hosting the party for her husband there, she came up and gave me a big hug after saying, thanks for such a great party and all that. And I kind of froze and I thought, huh, this COVID thing, eh? I wonder what this is all about. Yeah. And then we all know the rest of the story from there on. Yeah. It, it's been a hell of a two years. I know the first time I visited you was 20, summer 2020. So like that, when stuff was low again and we were still like learning and obviously I had to scan my way in to, to present my ID, <laughs> which I personally, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist when it comes like the government's out to get me. I'm right. like, no, I'm just going to listen to what they're saying because I don't want to catch a deadly disease that's going to shred my lungs. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> a little, I, little bit of common sense. Yeah. 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 Sure. It's... Um, so that's the unfortunate part, but it is good that you have survived and clearly a lot of craft breweries in Canada I've seen have survived and actually thrived during the pandemic, which is wild. Yeah, it depends on your business model, I guess. I mean, for us, it's been, we never really got a chance to kind of hit the ground running and mm -hmm. kind of get that, the festival route going and all, and all the kind of stuff that the normal things you do with operating a brewery. Um, when we opened here, our initial goal was really to, to do most of our business out of our tap room. Um, you know, fill this place as much as possible, as much draft, as much retail as we could straight out of here because that's where, you know, the best margin is. Um, but it required us to make a, a number of changes and selling online was one, uh, home delivery was one, LCBO was one, beer store was one, grocery stores was one. Um, and that, you know, that got us through all those periods and now what we're doing, we're looking at, if we're looking at right now is a time to kind of reset and kind of really rethink what we're going to do under normal conditions you know <laughs> fingers crossed right yeah who knows when actual normal conditions you know we're still under a state of emergency across canada but yeah now well, it's... We're, we're still seeing some hesitancy i think in people coming out here and there it depends on whereabouts you are mm -hmm. um you know we see our tap room levels fluctuate from you know on the weekends where it's full and busy to other times where there's nobody mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to gauge these days where the direction where, where people are feeling the most comfortable. And I think that in certain parts of the country, like I was in BC uh, about a month ago, I was at a Canucks game and it was 18,000 people with no mask and there was nobody caring about anything. Yeah. But in Ottawa, it's a little bit more conservative. I think you walk into a grocery store and you see most people still wearing masks. So it's gonna take some time for people to kind of figure out what their comfort level is, I think. Yeah, before our fifth wave in Canada, I was actually down in Plattsburgh for the first time and it's like walking, see, seeing people walk around without masks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> used to it. I'm personally still not comfortable so i'm i'm gonna wear a mask for me yeah uh and you know it's not fun but i, I wear it anyways it's it's just what in my opinion like maybe we should have been doing that all along is when you're sick just cover your mouth <laughs> well yeah and that's the funny thing is that for the first uh the first year of the pandemic i didn't get sick at all yeah with anything yeah not even a cold so that was nice yeah but you know yeah, as somebody who was lucky enough to still be able to work from home, I can't really complain. It's, <laughs> hey, uh, bring your laptop home just in case. Yeah, you're staying home until further notice. And so now it's, oh, by the way, you're staying home uh, until we need you in the office. No problem. Yeah. Coffee takes me one minute now. Going to the bathroom takes me one minute. It's, it's not a complaint. And then I have the convenience of, unfortunately, in Quebec, we didn't have a delivery service when it came from the breweries itself. Right. We did have 
beer stores or our version of beer stores yep, uh, being able to deliver, which is great. And is, um, which is something that very, maybe very jealous of the rest of Canada was beer delivery as, it's, as a Quebecer. It's like, oh. it's funny the way the different laws play out across the country. Yeah. Eh? And even in Ontario, like they, they've made a bunch of different changes, like allowing restaurants to deliver, but then there was, you know, we couldn't deliver for other breweries. Like, you know, for us, like when, when home delivery first started, like it was insane. Like and we were totally like, we didn't have a driver. We didn't have a delivery van at that yeah. point. And so it, in the first few months of the pandemic, it was nonstop. Like people were, you know, drinking tons of beer and getting home deliveries and stuff. Um, and then it, the, the landscape has kind of changed a little bit now where it's kind of settled out a little bit, but restaurants are now allowed to sell take home beer, which I, I don't know, I'm not yeah. super uh, on board on that no. personally, but uh, you know, it gets more beer out the door anyway, I guess. Do you see delivery sticking around? Uh, we're we're going to keep doing it for sure. I mean, we're out doing like, you know, LCBO grocery licensee deliveries anyway. Mm -hmm. So at that point, but the, the thing that we are finding is that the, the volume of home deliveries is not, it, when you're doing 50 or 60 deliveries a day, yeah. the free delivery model works because like you, you have that volume of traffic going. Um, if we only have two or three deliveries on a day and you know, it, it gets a little bit trickier to make the economics yeah. work on it, I think. So we're, you know, we're looking at different ways to do it, but we'll keep it around. But we're also finding that people are now coming out more and doing yeah. more. So yeah. it's not, the demand just isn't, it's just not as necessary anymore. Clearly you have the patio on the back yep. and that's, that's coming back around probably in the next month too. So uh, if it goes above 15 degrees today, we'll be open <laughs> out there for sure. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, that patio is a lifesaver for us. Like our, so, you know, our, the developer who developed the, the property, you know, we had, a, we, we were allowed to have a patio, but we, we had to put the thing together in under a week after they've opened, lifted the first lock, first yeah. lock, I yeah. don't know, one of those anymore. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, outdoor eating is fine. We're like, all right, so we had a patio put up in under a week, and it was like it was a miracle that we actually got it done. But yeah. that saved our butt uh, that first summer for sure. That's and good. It was a huge thing. Yeah, and I know like you have the pretty big doors up front here too. That if you even had to have it open, it's yeah. fine. So yeah, that's been good. The patio's been nice, and people like patios anyway. So yeah. we, we would have put one out there eventually anyway, but this accelerated it. I mean, that's what the whole the pandemic has done for us is that it's it's made us more agile. Um, it's made us look at different avenues and different ways of doing things mm -hmm. uh, that perhaps we, if, if, if things had just gone normally, perhaps we wouldn't have done them. Yeah, right? yeah. So now we've got that experience in a number of different avenues that we can exploit in different ways. I mean, I do feel as Canadians, like because we have such a limited time frame where we can be on a patio <laughs> yeah. uh, or in Quebec, as we call yeah. it, terraces, it's uh, I'd rather be out there. Even if it's rainy, I don't care. Just yeah. put me in an umbrella. Yep. I want to have my beer outside. So. That's, I feel, especially being a Canadian, where we're winter six and a half to nine months a year, depending on the year. <laughs> That's not true, come on. That's just perpetuating the American stereotype of us, right? We have summer for longer than that, come on. Yeah. Come well, on. <laughs> things are shifting, so, but Just remember, yeah, 10 degrees is still warm for us, That's right? true, so. that's true. Yeah, I, and I'm so happy that, like, again, a lot of craft breweries survived. There's very few I know of. I think there's maybe two in Ontario that I'm aware of that failed. There's two or three in Quebec, but there's 20 a, have opened. There's been so. a couple of big casualties out of all of this. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think that it's rosy for everybody. Um, I think certain breweries have thrived, certain have had, uh, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we've survived through this. We haven't thrived through this for sure. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of, some of it's luck of the draw, some of it's bust, some of it's whatever. But I think that the good thing is that everybody who is still here is stronger because of it. 
And you're kind of like in the strip mall that you think you find there's a draw of somebody's like at the eye care specialist and then, oh, I'm going to go have a beer after I got my new um, pair of glasses or whatever. This like, location has been kind of strange. Like mm -hmm. we really thought that Costco and Home Depot or not would really drive a lot of traffic, but we're finding that people who are going to those places are very kind of, uh, they're very focused on the task at hand. Like Costco, you know, if you've ever shopped at Costco, you know, it's, it's, you have to be prepared, right? Like you yeah. go in there, you do your thing, and by the time you get out, you're like, okay, I don't know if I want to go. It's, it's draining. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's exhausting. But you know, we do have a good mix of retailers in and around here. We 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 term this as the, where we are is kind of a mix of very healthy places, and then there's like Sin City. If we've got the you know the Herbman Weed Shop over there, we've got Oakham <laughs> Distillers next door to us, and we've got us here, and we're like, well, all we need is like. Uh, you know, there's a number of different vices you can put into different empty slots around here that I won't put, I won't say just on camera. At a casino. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just to balance off all the healthiness around here like that. <laughs> That's great. Um, finding this location, was there any kind of roadblocks or problems just from even creating the Evergreen Craft brand to where you are now, like problem location? Now, obviously, from what I've heard from yourself and Paul with Conspiracy is the Ontario government's very open to split your house and your garage is your business and your house is your house. So that sounds very welcoming, but I'm sure there's other problems that you've run into on the, on, in the meantime. The one thing that I find about Ottawa in general is there's a, the, there's a distinct lack of commercial, like good, cheap commercial space that you can get mm -hmm. for starting a brewery. So, you know, we spent almost a year looking for locations before we, we ended up here. My partner um, has actually bought the unit that we're in. So, you know, it's, that helps a lot, um, but we couldn't find anything that you know, if we were going to be paying the commercial rent price that we're going to be paying and say down in down Hittenberg or somewhere like that, um, it was expensive. The rent is expensive. Whereas, right. you know, we were out in, in Vancouver last week or last month and, you know, there's whole districts of these kind of just derelict, you know, warehouse spaces that allow these, these organic brewery districts to form, right? Um, in Ottawa, I, it's the commercial real estate is pricey. Um, for the most part in a brewery, there's a lot of space eaten up by stuff doing nothing. So yeah. all those fermenters that you see there, the only, there's only action on them. They're like, they're like a baseball game, right? <laughs> there's like seven minutes of action in a baseball game, but three and a half hours of time standing around. That's what fermenters are like because you're filling them or emptying them or cleaning them. The other you know, 12 to 14 days, they're just sitting there taking up space. Yeah. And so it's kind of expensive real estate to, for that kind of activity. But at the same time, you know, like you, for us, we decided to make the place wide open, so at least we're, we're, we're you know, people can see what's mm -hmm. going on, and there's a, a visual aspect to it. So I guess that's another trade-off. But that's the one thing I found about location-wise when we were looking around, trying to find somewhere that was large enough and reasonably priced was was difficult. Mm -hmm. and, and then getting licenses, just moving in in general, I guess you know, the doors are pretty big. You know, uh, previous interview Pub Brewski, like they had a door the size of this table that they had moving these tanks in. It's so it's pretty I, crazy. I, so all, everything that is in here came through these doors. Okay. So those are 30 barrel fermenters. Um, we had them manufactured to 1760 millimeters in diameter. <laughs> okay. So the diameter on these doors here, when you take the, the doors off the yeah. hinges, is 1762 millimeters <laughs> wide. Wow. Okay. So we have pictures where you could literally, like we're talking like yeah. that on both sides of the tank. And I remember when the guys came in to... Uh, we had a rigging company bring in they're like chris i don't think we're getting this stuff in here like that and i'm like oh it's gotta we have to get it in and, and sure enough it, it did fit through but it was a very very stressful 
um, moment. I'm sure, sure your heart rate on, on your Apple Watch at the time was through the roof. Well, <laughs> you, you can look at the, you look at the doors and you see like you know it's yeah you're not pulling the, the walls apart <laughs> no. right. And so we had to trust that the manufacturer actually built them and they did. They built them exactly the spec, which is perfect. That's great. Uh, so what's beer number two? I'm trying here. Beer number two is our Maiden Voyage Pale Ale. Mm -hmm. So Pale Ale, I understand, is not the sexiest style that people <laughs> look at. Um, it is my favorite style. This is my favorite beer that we do. Um, I am expecting that Pale Ale will come back into style within the next, I don't know, soon, sometime. Yeah. And so I'm sticking to my guns on that because uh, this is my favorite beer. And it's called Maiden Voyage because what I used to do when I was home brewing. Mm -hmm. So I used to have multiple different homebrew systems as I kind of progressed on. So my Maiden Voyage batch was always the first beer we did on the system. Uh, you usually need a little bit of time to kind of dial in and understand what you're doing on every new system. And on my first time in the garage brewery, Maiden Voyage was that beer. Okay. And that cool. was, it, it became a beer that actually stuck. Whereas we didn't actually do Maiden Voyage on our first time on this system mm -hmm. because we actually had the recipe already developed and it was already ready to go. Awesome. As we do. Yep. A toast. Cheers. Yeah, there's no like bitter punch. No. It's, we try to make mm. it nice and balanced. Um, that, oh, yeah. That, that recipe has been iterated over probably 13 or 14 different times. Mm. Um, and uh, it, it's, it is my favorite beer that we do anyway. Yeah, so you mentioned that that was the first homebrew beer, more or less, the Maiden Voyage was that. What was the first beer that ever came out of Evergreen Craft? We did our stout first. Okay. Um, a dry Irish stout was the first one we did, and the reason was because uh, you can hide a lot more in a stout than you can in, in, in other beers. So for mm -hmm. the first time on our system, as we did our first big batch on there, um, that's what we did. Um, purely for practical reasons versus anything else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the name Evergreen Craft, where does that come from? Uh, so Evergreen Craft, Evergreen Drive is where the street that I live on, where the, where the garage brewery mm -hmm. was first started. The, it's called Evergreen Craft Ales. I know that it's, it's kind of a, 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 a limiting name in a sense, but Dogfish Head is called Dogfish Head Craft Ales, and so they are actually kind of my, uh, you know, my favorite brewery, so to speak, from back when I was, in my, mm -hmm. but it influenced me the most. And, and evergreen.com was taken, so we couldn't find that. So Evergreen Drive, so you can see the street sign over there. That's the street sign from my, my street, and that's <laughs> yeah. where we started, and the logo is patterned after um, the, the city of Nepean street sign as well. Very cool. Yeah, nice and simple. You didn't have to complicate it in any way, so it's No, it's pretty... and you know, my only regret is that I didn't figure out a way to make the logo more square. Yeah. It's a rectangular <laughs> logo. It's a little challenging putting it in different places, but um, it, it's, the story is there, and it, it's about a street. It's the same way as you'd have a, a mill street or something like yeah. that, where it's, it's transferable enough, but it's not totally locked into one style like that. Yeah. I mean, the world of craft beer, you know, this, the art and the science it combines with the creativity is just, it's wild that... You know, you mentioned dogfish head. What's a dogfish head? Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually a know. point. It's not um, even. A, it's a point where the dogfishes are yeah. running. I guess. And then uh, you know, uh, my videographer Phil, he's heading out to Boston. He's like, yeah, Trillium. I'm like, I know Trillium is the Ontario Public Health Plan, <laughs> not the brewery. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it's it's just coming up with brewery names is so wild. It's it's funny because you know you, you think you have a name even picking beer names you know you think you have one yeah. and you always do a quick Google on what it is before you name it and that's like, oh, yeah man 
And sometimes you're just like, well, they're too far away to matter. It's not a big release period, but other times it's like, well, you just can't use that name. Yeah, right? yeah, that's unfortunately happened with a previous interview is he was named this and then he got a cease and desist. And so yeah. he got to that's re- almost a badge of honor getting a cease and desist in some way though, right? He kind of almost won. You, know, you never see guys, the guys who get the cease and desist, you never see anything bad happen to them. They, yeah. change it, they get a bunch of press and they move on, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's fine. When it comes to naming the beer, is that kind of a team effort, you and your partner and a couple of the staff um, as well, or? More often than not, it's mostly me. Yeah, I think probably 85% of our beers are, are named by me, um, for better, for worse sometimes. So, you know, our, our the, the copper lager that we just released um, was a late night, have to get a label done kind of thing. It's a one-off beer that we did, and uh, it, it's easily the worst label that I've ever done of all the <laughs> labels that we do. Um, most of our, the ones that have elaborate art, we do have a, an artist. He's actually in Lithuania, believe it or not. Um, I stumbled across him a long time ago and he's just, just does, just does great work yeah. for us. Um, so the ones that we do spend, ones that we have in regular rotation, we do get proper labels done up all the time. But if it's just a one-off sometimes, we'll just slap something together because we know it'll be gone in a couple of weeks anyway. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's a good, it's a good mix. It's like quite the dichotomy of kind of like the straight up labels and then the beautiful art label and right. it looks like some are stickers and some are wraps so you, you have quite the the mix of like the can styles that you do yeah the the wraps are more because you know we, they it makes life a little bit easier for mm-hmm. us but you also have to leverage the scale of buying enough of those yeah. labels to make it worthwhile so we we do have a mix of that just because of that oh it's pretty cool and, and you decided from the start and now i, I know for probably in your uh when you were homebrew or home commercial brewing, I guess. It's a weird comedy. Yeah. Was that also cans at first, or were you bottling? Were you doing growlers? In the garage, we were doing cans as well. I had okay. a little little single head Dixie can seamer mm-hmm. and a little fill and purge off the taps, and it generally worked pretty well. I could, I'd just sit there and have a little TV in there and watch a hockey game and just can away 200 <laughs> cans, and away we went. So yeah, it's all, I, I've always liked cans as a format. I, I know people ask, oh, why do you guys carry growlers? It's because growlers are a pain in the oh. butt. You know, they, you, Number one, you get too much beer to drink out of yep. them, right? As a single, as a well, too much beer you should drink out of them. And we yes. can always, some of us can finish off a 64 ounce growler, no problem. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it, it ups the upfront cost on mm-hmm. it because you have the deposit and then you got to clean them. I've heard nightmare stories about people with growlers I, and what comes back in them, and I want no part of that. Uh, so I know, like, you know, you can rinse out a return growler here in Quebec. It cannot go back. It has to go to a special company. Is that right? Yeah, it's very, yeah. As, as somebody, you know, who interviewed breweries all over Quebec who do growlers, and they're like, it is the most pain in the butt part. Right. Is we cannot just rinse it out, put sanitizer in it, and then do it. It's, yeah. It's a full rigmarole, rigmarole for no reason. Yeah, and it's a trade-off, right? Because, I mean, the cost of, a, cost of a canning line is not cheap. No. Right? And no. so that's, that's always a balance starting out <laughs> yeah. is having the capital to be able to do those kind of things. Yeah. It's you take what you could get. Obviously, now when you're starting up and if growlers are selling well, just do growlers until people ask otherwise. Now you yeah. doing cans. That's I'm a huge fan of cans. It is yeah. they're lighter to bring around. I can bring this on the beach. I don't have to worry about some kid stepping on it and ripping his foot open. Yeah, it's the conveniences of cans over bottles. Now when it comes to like specialty things like Nickel Brooks Yearly yeah. Bastard Series, that's yeah. one thing, but. You know, uh, how many years was triple, uh, how many years was Flying Monkeys doing Chocolate Manifesto in bottles? Now it's in cans. And I've tried both. It is in cans, eh? Yeah. yeah. It's, they, just, it's just easier. Yeah. Once you have a canning line, like we released our bourbon barrel aged stout line. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we haven't actually released it yet because we haven't got the labels yet. 
But like we were debating, it's like, well, we can put it in cans, put it, or we can put all the effort into hand bottling stuff. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, I don't want to hand bottle <laughs> everything for a whole day like that. Like you get a crooked wrist with a beer gun, like forget that. Yeah. So, but the, the, up, the other side of it too is that as soon as you put beer in a bottle, it's immediately more expensive. The consumer will generally pay more, but you know, that's it, it, for us, we have a canning line, so yeah. we just use it for, for that. So. Awesome. Uh, so what's beer number three I'm trying here? Beer number three is our copper lager that we just talked about with the really bad label. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we had a bit of down. We don't generally do a ton of real loggers here because we've only got so many tanks mm-hmm. to do them to do them properly in. But we had a little bit of downtime in January because of the lockdown and all that. So we threw this one back in there. So it's had its proper loggering time on. So beautiful. Awesome. Cheers, man. As we do a toast. <laughs> oh, multi backbone. Yummy. Mm. It's a forgotten kind of beer, right? Like a nice yeah. multi lager sometimes. Yeah. Mm. For this time of year right oh. now, it really works, I yeah. find. That is that is all sorts of beer that I, I love drinking is <laughs> um you know, for a, for it, the same to like you mentioned the pale ale, I do find that beer styles, I mean, New England IPAs are the king right now, yeah. but it's I think it might change soon when it comes to the more beer snobby people like me. I'm not like a hardcore beer snob where I'm like, no, this and that's it. No, it's I'll try every single yep. beer. I'll honest give my honest opinion about things. People see me in the videos, they see if, you know, if I make a, like a weird face all of a sudden, I don't think I ever have because almost every single beer I've tried on the show, which is a lot, have all been great beers. Right. So it's, uh, it, it's not, to me, it, a lager too. I mean, you're talking about six weeks at least yeah. in the fermenter. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. So it's, uh, I mean, if you go, um, so I, if you were to look at how people are buying beer these days, I mean, you can never go wrong. There's three kinds, three styles you can never go wrong, with, mm-hmm. in my opinion. This is just my opinion. IPAs, especially Northeastern or New England style IPAs. I mean, you have to have one. It, it, it's a checkbox. Uh, some people specialize in it more. Some people, like we, we do uh, a couple of different ones that we do. Like we have a session one as well. Loggers are going to come back and be big. Um, mm-hmm. they, and they already are in the States where you're seeing breweries that are totally focusing on just lager brewing. Um, because palate fatigue starts to set in. And a lot of yeah. the people who drink a lot of beer, you find that you can only drink so many heavily hopped IPAs. And the other one is adjunct-filled stouts. Um, they, they nev- people never seem to get tired of them. They don't ever want to buy. You wouldn't go and drink six, you know, uh, 12. So I got Sean from Small Pony just gave me a, mm-hmm. their latest, their Bone Shaker 14% uh, IPA, or not yeah. IPA stout. That was in a 355-mil can. I'm like, oh, my God. That's like three, beer, three beers in one can, right? Yeah. But people do enjoy those and have them as a special treat. And so... For us, what we like to do is we, we fill in the rest of our, our lineup with things like our red rye, which mm-hmm. doesn't sell as fast as the rest of them, but it gives you a neat option to have when you come in here to have something on tap. Um, and our English bitter, like our English bitter, which is actually your fourth beer, yeah. we'll talk about after, but that beer, of all of our beers, has gotten more positive comments, like face-to-face, like, hey man, I really dig this beer, Yeah. but it's probably like our eighth best-selling beer but it's the one that people like you as a brewer you can tell like you know I can sit here while people are in the tap room and watch how people are drinking you can kind of see the patterns of mm-hmm. who's drinking what and people will you know try our clothing God's eye people like yeah yeah this is good you know but no one will ever come up to me and say hey man that's like I love this yeah. beer or whatever that English bitter people will actually like stop me like I'm out we have a garage in the building where we store our beer and one of our, our neighbors here he's like because I don't drink a lot of beer anymore, but that English bitter, that is top notch. I'm yeah. like, isn't that funny though? Because it doesn't sell particularly well. Mm-hmm. So 
I, we like to have a, a nice mix of things, so we have a little bit of something for everybody that's there. But yeah, I, I mean, just up front, uh, we'll put the back after, but like just your can line up, there's, you know, sir, there's lagers, cerveza, the ale, the yeah. IPA, the bitter. It's, you have a good mix of what people might like. Whereas a brewery, you can, you can easily survive on, like I said, specializing on New England style IPAs, yeah. clean lagers, and stouts. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly believe that you could, you know, if you wanted to open a brewery, if you were going to use that as your, your backbone or your, or your, your thing, um, I think you could yeah. totally, you could ditch all the, the bitters, the reds, the, all, the, all the other things, but then it'd be boring, then, yeah. right? Yeah. Like we'd be doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've been to Alchemist, the only two beers I've had were Hetty Topper and uh, the... the uh, Focal Banger. Focal Banger, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I'm, hopefully, you know, we get to interview them as well <laughs> at some point when it's okay to travel to the U.S. again. And yeah. Vermont is pretty much Canada, <laughs> USA, yeah. so... Yeah. It's, uh, I look forward to getting back to Vermont, uh, upper New York State there, like Saratoga. Mm -hmm. Even New York City, I mean, there's some spectacular breweries there, so. Well, that's the beauty of it. There's, there's great, bre yeah. great breweries everywhere. Um, you know, I've, I've yet to go to a, t a town or travel anywhere where I haven't been able to find at least one or two good breweries mm -hmm. that, you know, scratch the itch, you know, yeah. that make you feel happy that you're there. Uh, so speaking of that, uh, you know, when there's a little time to take vacation, and, and safer to travel, so even it's hop on a plane or take, you know, uh, you don't feel like driving, so take a mega bus across Canada or whatever you want to do, or the via rail. Uh, a beer-focused vacation that you've never taken that I need to take. So I need to do a pilgrimage to Dogfish Head, okay. um, just because they have been, you know, in my earlier times, just like there's everything about them. I just liked everything about what Sam Calzone does. I like all of their beers. I like their, they're just a, a, a fantastic brewery for, for, for me. So Dogfish Head, so, you know, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, head to the brew pub there, that would be my number one like gotta go yeah. um it would be a lot of fun to travel around europe i think and go through the english countryside hitting the small english pubs i think that would be something i'd really enjoy as well yeah. um and then as we're talking about vermont like i have been to vermont before um i haven't been back there in the past few years so i really would like to go back down there and when there, it's funny because one of the, the the head brewer at ridge rock he used to uh, jamie he used to work at down at harpoon mm -hmm. down in vermont and so we were kind of talking the other day. I'm like, well, you know, it'd be kind of nice if we went down and you were kind of our tour guide. <laughs> knows it's over. I'm going to keep bugging him for that and see if yeah. we can set something up like that this summer once it's uh, good to go. You said uh, your neighbor doesn't, isn't a big fan of craft beer, but he loves your bitter. You get the macro drinker come in. What's the gateway beer to bring them into Evergreen Craft? Um, Archer North Cerveza would, okay. be, would be the one. Um, it's deliberately simple. Um, it's not overly sweet. It's not overly bitter. It's nice and crisp and clear and easy. Um, that's our second best selling, best selling beer that we have. Um, we do a Kolsch as well, our Silver 7 Ale. We do kind of in rotation once in a while. And that one, again, it, I, I'm finding that people are more adventurous these days. And you're finding that a lot of people that are coming in that are kind of new to craft beer are starting to discover IPAs, right? There's, there, there, while, while a lot of the, the, the beer nerds and beer geeks are kind of maybe, you know, getting a little bit away from the, the really heavy IPAs, there's a whole new group of people that are coming that are rediscovering this. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing a new cycle of people uh, coming into craft. And so, you know, while we do get, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like I drink simple basic lagers sometimes too, because that's just what you want. There's a, there's a beer for every occasion. And I don't care what anybody says, every beer, there's a spot for every beer that's on the market, there's a time to drink that beer. So people will, you know, will throw stones at PBR and they'll say, or they'll say, I don't like 12% IPAs. There's a time for both, right? You don't want 12% IPA when you're sitting on a beach when it's 30 <laughs> degrees out, 
but you also don't you'd also don't want like a a, a simple North American light lager mm -hmm. when you really you want to enjoy something with food or, or you're just or you want to have a little more of experience right yeah. so um, I'm not the typical beer snob where I'll drink almost everything and I can find a positive in almost every style that and every beer that's out there yeah. I, I mean I know it's not big but whenever I'm at a sporting event you know if being in Montreal, it's the Alouettes, or it's the yeah. former Impact uh, Club de Foot, or whatever they're called now. Uh, they're the Impact to me, but uh, or uh, a Habs game. It's uh, like at least the Habs they're trying with a Brasseur de Montréal, right? But that is is owned by by Six Pints Division of Molson, right. so it's <laughs> it's still there. It's just at least I can try a craft beer, or if they can just lower know. the prices of the games, yeah. Would be better. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what the uh, Canadian Tire Center is like? Is it still the Canadian Tire Center? Yes. Or are they, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, because I know like Rogers Center was Air Canada Center yeah. and now it's something else, but like, I think Montreal is one of the most expensive at like thirteen fifty a beer. So it's, I, it's funny, so my, my son and I were in BC a lot for, we went to Whistler, went skiing, we went mm -hmm. to Vancouver after we went to the Canucks game. And so I, at the end of every big vacation, I think I kind of take a breakdown of costs of how much we spent, right? So I was saying to my wife, here's how much we spent on airfare, here's how much we spent on hotel, cars, here's how much we spent on alcohol. She said, well, what? She goes, I know you guys drink, but why so much? And I said, well, if you look at these four transactions here, those are the four times we bought beer when we were at the Vancouver at the Canucks game, right? <laughs> hundred bucks worth of beer for like eight beers. It's oh my like, God. Like, so she's like, oh yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that was just drinking like, you know, it wasn't even buying craft. The craft was yeah. $3 more per can, can than the the regular stuff so that's when uh i was actually really impressed i was in cleveland about five years ago and their basketball arena the q mm -hmm. or it was the q i don't know if it still is they had 12 craft beers right in cans and i'm like whoa what is this and i've noticed that at um metlife i went to watch the uh, the packers play the giants and a bunch of like they had Lone Star Texas beer. I'm like, I'm never gonna find this anywhere else. Right. <laughs> I have to try this, yeah. even, even if it's bad. And it's, I, I do find at least some places starting to recognize that there is that small percentage of craft beer drinker that doesn't want to drink the macro. And it's yeah. like, let's try and sell this here. I, I think so. the challenge that you that we find this is something that you know, a lot of people don't realize is that you know with the amount of beer that an arena will sell during over the course of a game mm -hmm. like we could never survive we could never supply yeah. that yeah. volume of beer we could send them maybe 10 kegs and that's gone in what 20 minutes <laughs> right so you know i used to kind of in my mind complain well, why don't they have more craft on tap and all that but really there's only so many breweries that could actually support mm -hmm. even one kiosk let alone a whole arena you know yeah. even someone the size of like steam whistle or bows wouldn't they, they don't necessarily have the capacity to feed that kind of volume into an arena like that. So that's kind of the way, yeah. well, that's, that's how I look at it on the draft side anyways. Like, oh, okay, I understand. You know, yeah. We can't do it, so, you know. Speaking of kind of those other breweries, um, so what are some collabs you've done with other, even just like a coffee shop for your stout or whatever, what are some collabs you've done that you'd love to give a shout out to? And then on the tail end of that, what are some collabs, like dream collabs you'd love to do? Uh, clearly for Dogfish Head is one of them, but. <laughs> any other one that you'd love to collab with so we've done a, we haven't done a ton of them because we've been under covid for the mm -hmm. whole time we did one uh in 20 i don't know a year and a half ago um with calabogie ridge rock Braumeister, and flora hall it was a what was that coconut coconut chocolate coconut ipa i think wow. is what we did and uh, I showed up to the collaborate. I had played hockey that morning, so by the time I got there, they'd already mashed in, cleaned out the mask gun. So I decided to drink for the entire afternoon. But uh, yeah, that was collabing sounds difficult. Yeah, uh, let's just okay. 
Uh, but that, okay. but that, was a, that was a big decision, though, because it's like, well, at that point, the, the restrictions were kind of lifted a bit, so we were okay to do it. But we haven't, you know, we haven't been able to do much in, in that way. Uh, I did one with Sean at Small Pony before he opened back in my garage where we did this, uh, we did these, uh, these fruited sours just in, mm -hmm. you know, small batch. And that turned out, that was pretty fun. We, we did one that had strawberries in it. Here's an interesting fact. So if you ferment with Brett, okay, and you have strawberries in it, and the seeds are part of the strawberry, they, they create a vinyl kind of ethyl acetate off flavor to it that's only detectable to something like 30% of the population. And so we were sampling it, we're like, this tastes like, it smells like vinyl, like it's yeah. like, like licking a record. And so, <laughs> but apparently this is a flavor that some people actually look for in certain, certain um, sours and breads. Mm -hmm. and, and apparently, most people couldn't even detect that flavor. And so because it was a small batch and we were just playing around, we, we put it out and some people were like, oh, this is totally fine, it tastes great. And we're like, oh, but we can taste the vinyl yeah. on it though. Um, that, was, that was good. The other one then, Dog Pachet. I mean, if, if, if I could ever do one with Dog Pachet, you know, that'd be cool. Um, but I, I do just look forward to the ability to actually do mm -hmm. some one, like, you know, any time right yeah. now, because we haven't been able to, you know, you kind of think of the optics of doing one under COVID and you're kind of like, well, is it really the right thing to do? Yeah, Probably yeah, not. But now I think, you know, we'll look towards it and, and, and talk to some of our, you know, I was, we were, I was trying to get one going last year that would be called The Process, where we take a number of breweries, all take the exact same recipe and brew this exact same beer, and then highlight the fact that the process of brewing is actually what makes the beers mm -hmm. different as opposed to the ingredients, where it's like wine, for instance, is a little bit different, where the terroir of the ingredient drives a lot of the, flavor, you know, yeah. the profile of the wine. Um, we never got that one kicked off, but I'm, I'm thinking about seeing once we have time this summer to see if I can get that one going again. Could you see yourselves doing maybe like since you do have a, a marijuana shop a couple of literal doors over right you're still doing like a hemp beer well the the problem with that is is that like we had uh our we have an ipa called stratosphere mm -hmm. that's it's a cooler it's okay. noise um and so strata does have the hop strata does have these mild hints of marijuana and cannabis okay and so I actually put in the descriptions, it does not contain marijuana or can cannabis. <laughs> but what happened is, is that all the Google links in our Shopify website banned the, the, the product because it had the word words. cannabis in it, right? Um, I, I, I don't see us ever doing that because the, the confusion in the market and the possibility, just the hassle of running into people thinking there actually is marijuana in there, which is actually like a big no-no, like mixing marijuana and alcohol mm -hmm. together. That'll never become a product in Ontario, especially because Ontario's like uh, yeah. so strict. So that one probably not. Um, we do do so. I actually roast coffee on the side too. So we have done. I have done a collaboration with my, myself, my coffee roasting <laughs> business, and we did a we did a coffee a coffee stout that we'll be doing again as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I'm just looking forward. So we haven't even had chances to sit down with like we used to host like a get together with all the brewers mm -hmm. in Ottawa here, and we we've done it twice. And we haven't done it for you know over a year because of COVID. I'm looking forward to just having everyone back in the tap room again yeah. and just hanging out and then discuss, having the chance to discuss these collabs. Yeah, that's that's something I've discussed with friends. It's like we're from that first shutdown two years ago. We're just catching up now. Yeah. To what happened two years ago. Yeah, and there's so. just still so many things to navigate right now. That being out, you know, just getting staffing back up to levels and all that. Just having the ability to uh, to actually. Um, execute on these things properly. We're, mm -hmm. we're like we're still a little understaffed right now as we are. We have a new brewer starting in a couple of weeks. Um, 
But we just haven't had the bandwidth to do yeah, a lot of these yeah. things properly. It's, it, I have a feeling right now it is going to come back slowly. Um, hopefully this six wave that's supposed to be coming up isn't as bad as what happened yeah. last. But that's, you know, knock on wood. Uh, let's let's try and stay positive and stuff's going to stay open. And, you know, I know here in Ontario, the mask mandate is more or less dropped. Yeah. Uh, Quebec, uh, we still have that for now. But we'll see. We'll see what that brings along. Um, personally, like ever since the mask came in, I'm like, I don't mind it. So yeah. it, it's not fun, but I don't mind it. So I, I'm looking forward to our first festival. So yeah. Orleans Beer Festival is mm -hmm. in June. And yeah. I, we haven't done um, a festival as Evergreen at, yeah. in Canada. Um, we haven't done one period, uh, since we've opened. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of them when I was in my garage, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Three days of just serving people, talking to people. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And hopefully there'll be more festivals popping up in Ottawa. But again, it's a risk, right? You uh, Going through all that planning and only get shut down at the last minute, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a tough risk to take as a event organizer. Yeah, I, I know this is my personal thing, but like my last two birthdays, because they're in June and they're right before St. Jean in Quebec, and that's when things would reopen is specifically for that holiday in Quebec. So mm. my birthday's right before, so it's my own selfishness, but I'm actually going to get to celebrate my 43rd birthday with my friends coming up. Nice. So nice. it's going to be nice to actually like do stuff again. And, and we have done stuff and we've gotten together and we've hit, you know, new breweries in Quebec and it's kind of us small, but together as a group and we all, we all know like 90% of our group works from home. Right. It's, you know, we're, we are still being super precautious about what we're doing, yeah. but we're still going out and having fun. Yep. So. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned the English bitter. What else can you tell me about it? Um, it's probably our most complex beer that we make, actually, mm -hmm. the most complex grain bill that we use for it. I just like that style of beer. And yeah. I, if I could sell more of them and, and experiment with more of them, I would. But there's a balance between, you know, commercial viability and, and what you want to brew. But, you know, it's got a nice multi backbone to it. Uh, it. It's got a little bit more depth and complexity in the malt flavors than we get from some of our other beers. Uh, most of our other beers are usually two or three grains at most. Mm -hmm. This one's got six. So we did play around with this one a lot to make it the way it is. So. Awesome. Yeah. At all. Cheers. Oh yeah. I'm, we have a friend who homebrewed uh, an English better and we're like, oh, what's it going to be? It's fantastic. It's so. a great style. You mm. know, I mean, there, there was a beer by Nickelbrook called oh, Equilibrium yeah. that back in the day, they didn't have distribution around anywhere for it. And I, I, I know Brad Campo who owns Brew Donkey and he mm. knew the rep from Nickelbrook and he actually got me a two for of Equilibrium because I had it at a pub once. It was so great. And ever since yeah. then, I've actually really loved that style of beer. Um, but again, like you don't, even Nickelbrook's version of it, you don't see it in the stores no. anymore. Probably because people, people don't understand how good it is and didn't buy it. Uh, now, I know you also have a food menu. Is there kind of a food beer pairing or it's like suggestions more or less? Um, it's mostly suggestions. I mean, we have a pretty simple menu. We do lots of some paninis with, you know, usually a, a salad side or a soup side or something like that. Um, most of our beers will go fine. I mean, I, I'm not a big food pairing guy because I, I generally don't. I actually prefer not to eat when I'm drinking beers. If I want to, like, I'll, I'll have beer with food, mm -hmm. but I don't look to pair beer with food personally. Um, most of our food fare is just kind of, you know, simple paninis and sandwiches and stuff like that that give you something to kind of munch on while you're going through a flight of beer like that. So, so like comfort food. Yeah, yeah. It's simple. We don't have a full kitchen here, so mm -hmm. it's, it's it's all prepped behind the bar. Um, it's enough to just make sure we have our full liquor license and, and keep people satisfied. So they have, we don't want anyone drinking on empty stomachs and that's the reason yeah. why we went through the effort to go through all this and it's, it's worked out well for us. Awesome. 
I mean, this has been a great conversation today. I really appreciate you taking time or schedule to uh, speak with us about Evergreen Craft Ales. Uh, we'll be back here for sure at some point during the awesome. summer. You mentioned the Orleans Brewing uh, Festival, so looking forward to that too. Uh, anything else that's kind of next outside of getting back to festivals, getting on more shelves that you can? We're going to start cranking up our variety a little bit now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's been... Uh, through the pandemic, a lot of us has been kind of making sure we have our, the, the, the problem with having LCBO beer store beers is that you have to keep certain beers in stock all the time mm -hmm. so you can fulfill those orders. I think we've got that under control now. We're going to start doing some more interesting beers. We've got a release of our uh, Cobra Chicken version 2 coming out. So that's the, our ode to the, the Canada goose who, who, the geese who rest in Canada here. Um, that one's a double, double dry hop, super hazy IPA. So along the lines of our Clone the Gods. Um, we're going to be doing more barrel-aged beers. We've got Chardonnay barrel-aged Saison, the bottom two barrels there. We're picking up some more red wine barrels to do a similar type of barrel-aged barrel beer in the, in the next few weeks. Um, we're also going to be taking a foray into non-alcoholic beers as well. Yep. Um, there's, you know, we did the seltzer thing last year, and I really don't like seltzers. I'm going to say this on camera. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a market for it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't particularly like making them. But the non-alcoholic beer is something that really interests me a lot because um, it's to make a good one, I think, is going to be very tricky because mm -hmm. there are breweries that are dedicated to doing this. Um, but I think that um, having that as an option for a lot of people, it's funny because we kind of, we, we watched the way the pandemic drinking curve has happened, right? Mm -hmm. And when the pandemic first hit, there was a massive amount of people drinking and I think a lot of people drank a lot during that first two or three months, right? And we saw it in, in our sales and just in the way our general um, sales activity went. And then it kind of tailed off a bit, then up a little bit down. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are now looking to be a little bit more, um, maybe a little responsible and go a little bit more toward quality. But sometimes you really just want to have something to just keep drinking all the time. And I think that if we can make a decent non-alcoholic beer to mix in with our, our lineup there, yeah. um, I think it'll be a, a pretty a pretty positive addition to the lineup. So that is something that we are looking at. Um, we'll probably bring in the first one next week as the plan, and then we're going to try it out and see where those go from there. Yeah, there is a, a huge move in. I mean, you have sober October, dry January, and I think there's also dry there's February. A so, one too. so a good way to support the breweries is is those breweries that have NA, yeah. uh, NA beers. But uh, as I said at the beginning of the pandemic, is you might not be a craft beer drinker, but there's someone in your life that's a craft beer drinker either. Get gift cards, get merch. Yep. You know, even if you don't drink craft beer and you're walking around with your shirt, that's a great, like somebody who doesn't drink beer and they're like, where'd you get the shirt? Oh, I love it because of the design. I bought it here in, in Canada. Oh, you should go check these guys out since you like beer. Yeah, I it's, think that extends even more to even local producers in general, even beyond uh, just brewers. Like for instance, like, you know, we've seen our, our material and costs, uh, ingredient costs go up about 25% yeah. in the past, since November, right? And so there's a new maltster out in, in Mississippi Mill, it's called M3 Malts. And you know, we, we'd spoken to them before and the pricing just didn't, it didn't make a whole lot, of, it, was, it was a big gap mm -hmm. to make up at that point. But once the price, price increases in, happened here, that gap wasn't very big anymore. So we've switched all of our base malt to local malt now. Now yeah. we will continue to do that almost regardless of what the prices are because if, for him, if, if more breweries in Ottawa switched to using him, his scale, his business grows, his scale gets better, his costs come down, et cetera. And we're, we're, we're putting our money back into somebody who's local in, in, around here as well. And so I, I do believe that as far as, you know, restaurants, bakeries, coffee roasters, uh, farmers, all that kind of stuff, we do need to look more inward, 
into our own local mm -hmm. markets to see butchers. You know, there's a around the block butcher, around the block butcher shop. You know, local butcher as well in, in Ottawa. These are the kind of businesses that are you know providing jobs in the community, and also the money stays in the community as well. And I know it's kind of cliche talking about this all the time, but all there's so many different industries that have local representation within cities that while they may be a touch more expensive, um, if they get the support that they need, the pricing will go down because it's, yeah. just, it's all just scale, right? So, Yeah, it, it's, you know, I'm starting to see uh, hop farms pop up all over Canada yeah. too. And that yeah. was, in my mind, when I started drinking crap beer 10, 15 years ago, I had no idea. I, I just knew it was the four main, you know, classic ingredients and then whatever, yeah. how they could do it. And now it's like, there's, two hop farms in Quebec. I think there's one not there's far from few, here. In, in the, those ones are, that's a tough, the hop so, farm one's yeah. a tough one because uh, a lot of the big hops like Mosaic and Citra, yeah. they're all proprietary hops. So they don't even, they can't grow them here. So if you, it depends, like there's some beers you can make with local and some that you can't. Yeah. Um, and then for us, unfortunately, a lot of our beers, when we first formulated them, they're all based on you know, the, the, the traditional, the Amarillo's, the Simcoe's, the, yeah. and, and you can't get them, no, right? That's it. Um, so unfortunately for Hopbar, I know that a couple of them have gone out of business because of that. Like it's just not enough demand for mm -hmm. Cascade and Chinook uh, for a lot of those yeah. beers. So we'll see. It's it's quite the the adventure for growing hops, from what I've seen. You know, there's a home brewer we hang out with, and he'll he grows some hops in his backyard, yeah. but he still has to get the pelletized forms from Yakima Chief and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's it's I've got hop hop vines all over my house, yeah. all over my yard. And the problem with using those in the beer is they're a pain in the ass to harvest. <laughs> Your arms are all scratched after, and but uh, yeah, and, you're, and you're, the yield is remarkably low from one single yeah. bond. You're like, how do they get all these hops? There's so many of them, but yeah, it's. Uh, but for us, like you know, we use all Escarpment Labs yeast. You know, they're in southern Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, our malts are all yeah. our base malts are all. Local. There's some malts you can only just get. Like you can't, you know, they don't have local crystal malts yet and stuff. Uh, it's the same thing with oats, you know, there's only some, some oats you can get in Canada, some oats you have to get from another, yeah. so. You're, you're you aren't know. drinking locally made orange juice, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. No, right? that's for sure. Awesome. Uh, thanks very much yeah. for, for coming, Anytime, uh, for letting man. us come thanks out and speak with you today. Uh, I've honestly got no other questions. It's been a fantastic talk. Uh, let my audience know where they can find you. Uh, so we're in Canada, by the Canadian Tire Center out here in Ottawa, um, 767 Silver 7 Road in Canada. Uh, if you're ever going to Costco, Home Depot, or pre-game for a Senators game, you can stop by here as well. And uh, yeah, uh, evergreencraftales.com. Uh, my Facebook account got hacked this morning, so I think that our <laughs> Instagram and, uh, and Facebook stuff is okay right now. If there's anything weird on there, it's not because we posted it. Or I'll be tackling that as soon as I get off the <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So all that's going to be in the show notes. Uh, definitely click on the links to check these guys out. As for us, allbeerinside.com is the website. At allbeerinside on all social media. When you have a moment, please subscribe and make comments. That always helps the show. And as I say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap.